guess we'll start. We'll get ourselves going into the conversation. Thank you all for showing up. And, you know, tell me if this timing works out for you all. I mean, uh, I know it's kind of a weird question because you're here, but would you prefer more later in the day, afternoon type of live experience or an earlier in the day live experience? For me, this is in the middle of my day. This is noon. And uh, basically, this is, you know, like I've, I've studied the, in the morning, got my errands run, sitting down, do my live, and then the rest of my day can follow out. So it's convenient for me. But if you guys were going to tell me, like, hey, if you were going to do this once, you know, and, and for your fans and everything, you should probably do it later on at night, maybe midnight. And you just let me know. Does anyone know if you can smoke on YouTube Live? I don't want to. Tr uh, I don't want to like test it and have the channel like uh, strike. But I don't know. I've seen it before. There's a channel even called the Smoke Box, so it's not like. But YouTube is gay like that, and. Um, yeah, that's just you know. I try to put. I don't have like a, like a professional rig. I mean, obviously, I'm talking in front of a cover. Like a blanket that's like put up as a studio thing, and um, this is for Alex Gilliam. And the way my recording is set up, I just have a tablet, and I put my cell phone next to the tablet, right on speaker. And the tablet's microphone on an Apple, you know, like on uh, an Apple. Um, I don't even know what the hell it is called. Uh, Apple tablet. Uh, the 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 microphone chooses which one to kind of prioritize and that's why it has such like a, a massive change up but I mean that's that's lesser of two evils because I live in a very crowded house I live in a very busy neighborhood uh, blue collar neighborhood so there's always power tools and children and dogs and even roosters and like just random trucks like beeping like waiting like um you know, like, uh, delivery trucks and shit driving around, garbage trucks, and at any given point during the day, at night, it's just, it's a different kind of noise pollution, it's like, uh, boom boxes and, and, um, shit like that, music playing, and you, you know, you have to kind of take advantage of whatever you can to make the recording experience, you know, more enjoyable, and if it's, uh, yeah, if, if it's the subject, you know, it's not, it's not rocket science. It's just like if, if lesser of two evils, if it's just like a lawnmower going off in the background or something versus uh, a, a focus and like you say, noise and balance. But no, I hear you. I'm, not, I'm a perfectionist, but I'm not a professional. And this is literally the first year or two that I've actually even really had to learn about uh, studio work and music production and thing, like audio production and, and terms like that and you know like you say, it's, a, it's, a, it's a world you say it's an eye opener and it's, it's humbling where you have to go in to learn how all of it works and you know you have this, it's learning everything from scratch everything is hard when you first start 
No, I love talking to Generation Z too. Generation Z is like my, one of my favorite like collaborations and, and interviews and like guests. And I wish we could do it a lot more frequently. Um, I'm always open to talk to him and everything, but he seems to be, uh, you know, not wanting to overdo it. And that's, that's fine. We do a conversation. I think it's like once every two or three months, excuse me, whenever once every two or three months. And that's fine. That, that, cause it's all about progress and everything. Um, and this is the last holidays. We only had our first talk, I think in, uh, February or, or in uh, March of uh, last year, so it's like you know, four or five conversations already in the books, and th- th- that's like one of the you know most talked to guests, one of the most talked to other shows, and really I consider his content to be very in league with mine. We're like uh, in the same genre, and it's better to be collaborators than competitors. And, and I think that's really cool that we work together. Yeah, yeah. It's, no, Generation Z uh, really got me out there, really got the name out there. But uh, people also forget, like, before that, I talked to Woodward TV. And I've been participating in YouTube since 2018, just in, you know, different capacities and things like that. Had little channels been networking and and watching with other creators since then too um he actually came out on my feed and that was when i first found him and then we started talking and uh you know collaborating and rocking and rolling together and that was really cool i really really like generation z like i really really like his channel i really like his uh content um dave's a great guy and and those shows are always a great time like great time actually speaking and getting in that kind of channeling session, so yeah, let's get into it. Let's uh, let's talk about what we're going to talk about. And jump into the subject because uh, this live isn't going to be a question and answer session. It's going to be an actual um, like where I'm I'm going to be kind of bringing you information as I see it. So let's go into the subject matter at hand, which is the desolation, the destruction, the dissolving of the EU, the European Union. And that is going to be uh, within the next 10 years. Prediction for the 2020s. Much like how the League of Nations and how the European peace between the interim period, the interwar period between World War I and uh, World War II was, you know, predictable. It was obviously foreseeable. And basically... We're going to see a repeat of history. We're going to see history repeat itself because no one's learned their lessons in any state of power except for Russia. And uh, even then, Russia's position is much like as it was when the rise of the Nazi party, the Third Reich, occurred in Germany because the powers to be that led Germany into the 1920s were not the powers to be that, that exited the 1920s. So... 10 years being 10 years and 10 years is a long time and a lot of things can happen within 10 years let's get into a prediction for the next decade of the European Union or at least the collapse of it the fall of it the last days of the European Union and you know I'm not one who's going to celebrate the suffering or the hardship or the loss of life or the heartbreak that war brings at all or that all war brings at all I am a pacifist this is a conversion to pacifism 
from a previous war hawk uh, state uh, being. Um, I do believe that superior firepower is the only way to peace and to keep peace, as well as a well-trained army, but I also am, in many ways, um, I guess you would call it, uh, you know, without any kind of uh, reservation, uh, and because the war has been highly politicized, um, like, I guess you call it a fascist apologist, but not in a idealistic or supremacist sense, but just as a Roman fascist, the Roman fascist politics are the Starship Troopers model of reality, which is what we really live in now, a fascist nation. We do live in a fascist nation now, currently. And, uh, like, Heinlein really cut out the difference between how idealism and Starship Troopers really plays into fascism. It's not a supremacist origin, but it is supremacist in terms of military, and military might, military uh, equipment, technicians, engineering, uh, administration, uh, the the legal uh, framework and societal importance for the military. Uh, I, in fact, don't think that his idea was very bad or very bad off. The idea that this system requires only military service to enter, but that is also as eye-opening to how the system works and is valid education enough for how systems operate through the, the entrance and processing and experience of career through the military, however briefly, two-year term, four-year term, for one go, that the same concept is used in Israel, it's used in South Korea, it's used, it was used in America with the draft. It is a viable, before the draft ended, it was absolutely the way the system worked, is that it was military indoctrination, training, uh, veterancy, and then you joined the militia, a local militia, but you had the political mindset of your chain of command, your organizational structure, national identity, you had skills, you had technical training, you understood that the government was your your protector as well as your benefactor when it came to training and provisions of equipment, as well as your overseer when it came to the industrialization and direction of where your country was going to go. This provided, for the common person, this provided a, a huge sense of morale and identity. This is why America was much different before the draft was ended. Like Vietnam, like there was, America was much, much different. And in a golden age because of the draft, because of this mandatory military um, exaltation and propaganda and in society that happened after World War II and, you know, was the production of the Rockefeller military industrial complex. And Heinlein Starship Troopers, even, that the blind and the crippled, like the, uh, the handicapped, they get to serve in the military. Absolutely, it's this part of the book. That in Heinlein's worldview, that a true military-minded society would allow every single person to serve because every single person could be utilized and, and serve their duty patriotically. Because everyone has an inherent honor and identity that makes them, only through military service though, superior 
than base default people. I said the idea of ideal of ideology in terms of fascism is not necessarily racist or evil. It can be both uh, positive and empowering, but only through the lens of a uh, cooperated, you know, like unified uh, military system, basically, right? They're not meant for profit, not meant for corruption or the gain or the sacrifice of individuals for political reasons. Like, those corruptions and those evils obviously are not idealistically included in this kind of uh, justification principle of it, right, when you're trying to talk about politics. Uh, But the idea behind what that produces and what that affirms in defense of a security, right, of a nation, of a people... That's extremely important, and that's all you really can ask for and hope for in a government. Because any government without that cannot survive in any conflict. It will have to either transform into that or be victim of that. Right? This is a very red of tooth and claw system. Right? This is a, this is a, foreign invaders do exist, and we're not existing in a bubble. We're not academics on talking, you know, uh, shit in a coffee shop. This is actually. The, the, the factors that create surviving tribes and nations and countries and identities as well as protecting those tribes from invaders and, you know, basically, like uh, David Deveron's type, right to self-defense is not pacifism, which is, uh, you know, exactly like you, for anyone to defend themselves and to claim that kind of ethic and righteousness, you will have to defend yourself. And if you can't defend yourself, then there's, there's just victimhood. There's just subjugation. And there's just hoping that you have stronger guardians and protectors. You're basically made into a, uh, servant by your own, uh, toothlessness, right? Your own, your own harmlessness. Now, Europe, Europe with its freedoms, Europe with its, political structure based the way it is is not that it's the opposite of that in many ways but also it's trying to convert itself to that and it won't be able to convert itself to that very fast at all or very quickly at all it will realize that what it has done and this is I'm going to get into the history lesson of the European Union culturally What's done is focused on the wrong things and invested in the wrong people. It has betrayed itself by making bankers and politicians and social scientists, cabal members, people who are focused more on ideologies of control and what is now considered like... Neo-Mithraism, uh, neo-aristocrats, uh, basically the, 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 the bourgeoisie um, authorities of the European Union, the extremely elite classes that rule not through force of arms, but through psychological control and shame of society. And the purchase of influence when it comes to propaganda and public insight, as well as the manipulation of laws over the last couple of decades. Uh, For example, the chess pieces that they were putting in place from academia downward in Europe uh, are obvious. 
the creation of the mythology of the Holocaust, the uh, prohibition and the creation of laws against denouncing the or, or bringing up the events of World War II, of affiliating or owning any historical property associated with the rights with the Reich. Um, the, so basically they're policing the ability to think for yourself and to identify how you choose the stripping and uh, personal rights in the Cold War, for example, and the creation of paranoia states in all European countries because of what they called Soviet spying, uh, things like that, as well as promoting through their own art and culture, such, uh, revolutionary, uh, Concepts that Bolsheviks and other Marxists would would find you know extremely attractive, and thus creating this cognitive dissonance where their heroes were the people that were their own public enemies, and that the state itself would kind of start getting into like this rock tumbler mindset where it was just constant corruption and revel and like besides countries like Spain, Spain being under Francisco Franco for until the 1970s. And then itself under its own monarchy. Uh, countries like England, countries like Italy, countries like France, countries like Germany, uh, and, and, you know, your different, uh, you know, countries that would then make up the EU later on, right? Uh, the ones that joined NATO, for example. All experienced massive chaos and, and basically anarchy for... Uh, you know, 30 years easily after the the World War II, the events of World War II. And the one thing that held them together was uh, organized crime. And even then, that helped further divide the populations where organized crime became understood as traditional and preser preserving of traditional culture and values where the state, personified by Interpol, became... Uh, and Interpol is extremely powerful, by the way the instruments of a new world order that literally on paper, they were a world police made up of all the wealthiest and most powerful nations, specifically enforcing global laws, one world set of laws, and pursuing and, and, and capturing and then putting on trial for things like war crimes, human trafficking, etc. The, the organized criminals, drug trafficking, the war on drugs is all part of it too. And further just eroding and taking away and changing and converting the European culture to one of now a radically modernized, completely modernized, with almost zero roots to its traditions and ethnic uh, hom uh, homogenies. It is an extremely heterogeneous uh, environment now, but it's controlled and only kept going through corporate and capitalist masters, uh, big businesses. The European Union itself is only a business nation. It's only a confederation of business interests. It's a trade union. And the politicians are in the billionaire classes, in that weird intersection of academic elite and industrial elite, all connected through blood, all connected through marriage, all connected through blackmail and through secret societies, and then already allied and, you know, basically in bed with the organized crime elements that have modernized themselves in lockstep with these other people. And uh, 
people don't know this, for example, the coronavirus shutdown, the lockdown, is a European phenomenon that America only kind of tried to join. But really, it's a European-centered phenomenon, this idea of global lockdown, of locking down transportation. People like to think that Americans are the ones locking everything down. Not true. I mean, it just takes a simple, like, you know, looking at it for yourself. South America is not playing along with it. Um, North America is hesitant to it, except for Canada, which is the most European nation in North America. But the UK, Italy, Germany, France, those are the big pushers of the coronavirus uh, scandemic, of the lockdown scandemic, or the fear-mongering. Um, Spain, all those countries are. And the exactly the Nazi vax mode, it, it's exactly what I said, that they're using authoritarian tactics to criminalize and to punish their own citizens. And they've been doing that for the last 30 to 40 years. After the chaos and anarchy of uh, the post-war period, they used Operation Gladio. Operation Gladio was to create fake terrorism and to create these revolutionary flames in its own population so they could smash down harder on them and to really kind of uh, put this global New World Order boot on the throat of their own people, right? Like, so that it's very... Even though they're the free world, they were operating in this civil war mentality. Well, those leaders who were in bed with big business only had businesses in in mind, only had the elites in mind. They've created a new feudal system where the majority of the people are considered like the unwashed, illiterate peasants. And the elite, the super rich who have ruled without question through the power of their court system and through the, the cognitive dissonance of their media apparatuses and their news programs and their court systems and their their populate their you know public relations and everything, uh, they they think that they're untouchable at this point. They have no fear in their own populations and they have no uh, experience personally with real danger or with real fighting or with real uh, conflict when it comes to civil war or internal strife or you know even war again with an what they you know stand up equal opponent face to face uh you know let alone asymmetrical war or a war of attrition or war of ideologies <coughs> think of how uh poorly the british fared against the ira or against or the spanish fared against the uh basque separatists um and now we are entering a state where the the people are becoming radicalized, becoming militarized through the vaccine protest, through the, through the vaccine mandate, and they're going to force the hands of a lot of current separatists into kind of forming massive alliances and networks, a uh, 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 Europe-wide underground, really. And from there, well, the roots will grow, the roots will extend down, and then they will start forming these shadow armies, basically. These huge, uh, in my prediction, these huge uh, gangs of paramilitaries, far-right gangs, uh, both Muslim and Christian and Jew, and uh, what basically minority of any kind uh, that doesn't want to t- submit to the vaccine mandate, that doesn't want to submit to the medical apartheid system, the vaccine, uh, the contact control, the, the, the chip, the ID 
system, the you know the European techno technocracy as it stands, and like the the dictatorship of Macron and uh, specifically Macron. This we will focus on France because it's like the de facto leader of uh, the EU. You know, everyone says Germany is, but it's France. And where France goes, basically, the EU is like it, the EU is like captained by France, in my opinion. It was Germany under Merkel, but France has uh, taken it really and taken like charge with it. Um, it's a perfect example. The people are in constant protest, constant revolution in France, uh, with the Yellow Vest movement starting in 2019 to now. They have marched almost every single weekend. They created the COVID lockdown specifically to demoralize and to stop the Yellow Vest riots that were occurring in 2019 every single weekend that were shutting down their cities, that were shutting down their economies, that were proving, publicly proving, that the majority of the French citizenry was violently opposed to the French governance system and the way they were treating their employees, the way they were treating their laborers, the way they were treating their farmers, the European Union's trade policies and their massive spike on taxation, tariffs, etc., that the economics was making the rich richer and the poor poorer. And while it's laughed off in the world that they try to... uh, you know, oh, the French are just revolting. The French are just, they love protesting. The French are an educated society. They are a cultured society with history and tradition that is immutable. The very birthright of being French is learning French history. And they understand, like, say, with America. America doesn't have an education system anymore. America's history was taken from it. Uh, most of Europe, they want to keep Europe dumb and stupid, and they want to make them uh, favorable to the EU, but the EU hasn't existed for more than 20 years. So no European respects something that's only 20 years old. They just don't. Like, I mean, that's just not a European mentality. And they don't respect them because they're not of the European, uh, of the population. They're not Parisians. They're not... Uh, you know, representative Republican type governments. These are international governments, cabal governments. Um, the the backlash is like that of um, the French Revolution. The French Revolution with the aristocracy and the monarchy literally not being of any relationship to the people of that nation. And this is the revolu- the French Revolution came after. The, the Spanish-Bourbon hybrid dynasty fiasco. Uh, people don't understand what the real reason behind that was. It was that the Bourbon and, and that bullshit. Because they, they weren't French anymore at that point. They really weren't. They were rulers of France, but they were more of like this globalist, uh, international, intermarried, hybrid Habsburg family bullshit. And once it gets too confusing for the average person, the the king is saying, well, you have to do it or I'll use force against you. Then force meets force. And just like how in the French Revolution occurred, the only experience with real conflict that European armies had was against other European armies. Real conflict, and I mean like real conflict with a K in conflict, like real politic with a K, 
is extreme amounts of violence, <laughs> like you know, in uh, sustained campaigns that uh, really are, you know, absolute fights for your life in in terms of uh, attrition and sustainment of morale and strength. Right, so it's not your like exactly. Like, there's no safe avenue. It it's it's more like this constant retreat, and and uh, like the riot police of today. Right, when you see a riot right now, and you see a riot police say that if the riot police show up with with four planning and they're able to block off, and they show up in force and they show up. That only occurs for a couple of minutes, and the people that they are trying to intimidate have no violent will against them. They're not violent people. This might be a violent situation, a riot, or a protest, but they're not, they don't have, like, fucking spears, and they're not coming for blood, or, like, axes and torches, and they are going to cut people's heads off, and they are going to burn down buildings, and they are going to fucking, you know, fight these cops to the death. Because at that point, the cops would have no chance, no matter what equipment they're using, because of fucking sheer numbers. If a hundred police are attacked by a thousand men with knives, no matter if the police have firearms and armored personnel carriers, those police will be killed like they would be in the French Revolution, which is when the people attacked the fucking castle and kidnapped the king. And, you know, and did shit like that because your royal guard, no matter how well-trained and, and beautifully armored and armed and and how historied and badass, like the, the army of, or the police force of, of Paris is, the people outnumber them thousands to one, right? And it's the same thing with real warfare, that no matter how high-tech an army is, a larger force... And this is the kind of like uh, weird shit because not only is it suffering from the internal side, but even being able to defend itself from say an enemy like Russia, that they don't have the strength. The entire EU is defenseless when it comes to real physical defense of itself, internally and externally. Because if Russia were to attack the European Union in a week, the European Union would fall. It would be like the fucking desert storm across Europe because the Russians have a height. They're not the Russians of 1992, all right? They're not the Russians where they didn't have fucking food at the grocery stores and no one knew what the hell was going on or who was in charge or who were they even going to get their next paycheck at. No, like these are highly trained, highly organized, uh, highly technologically advanced Monetary, economically powerful and successful, well-organized, well-disciplined, experienced Russian soldiers and, and Air Force troops and you know, naval troops that are no longer suffering the demoralization of the fall of the Cold War. They have reorganized, reassessed, and reestablished themselves as the number two power in the world. And I will say that hands down that the Russians and at Syria... The Russians and um, you know the the East Caucasus and their the Ukrainian conflict in 2014 proved that even with irregular and atyp and and asymmetrical warfare tactics that they are still you know 
game changers that they they were absolutely um, if they attacked in force be a well coordinated and efficient as well as dominating force on the on the, the, the battlefield and any real uh, strategist will know that they will rely on the technologically advanced weaponry at their disposal and not make it a prolonged low tech war they're going to use intercontinental missiles they're going to use stealth bombers they're going to use drones they're going to use um, you know um, psychological weapons, electronic weapons, direct energy weapons. They are going to use uh, amphibious landings. They are going to use uh, paratroopers to go deep inside enemy lines, uh, special forces, the Spetsnaz, and things like that. Like, their they're Navy SEALs, their version of that. They're going to use that to decapitate Europe from its command structure and its leadership structure. So... Even if they, um, exactly, the Russians don't start wars, they finish them, but they might start this war too because the Russians, exactly, like last time, people people don't realize this, the Russians allied, the Russians who were also newly revolutionary, they weren't the Russians of World War One, demoralized by the defeat of the Romanovs and then the tragedy of their supply lines and shit. They were a highly organized re reimagined, right? Rebranded Russia. They were the Soviet Union under Stalin. And for, like Stalin, like Putin, was a strong man, right? Perfect parallel. The the currencies of 1920 leading to 1930 in 1940, right? Russia became Russia like we knew them. They were hostile to European monarchy since World War One, right? With all the bullshit that occurred in war in but after World War One, they sided with Germany. They allied as the Soviet Union with the fascist right of Nazi Germany, the Third Reich. Right? They were allies. They attacked Europe together in the 30s. The revolutionary rebel group that took total authoritarian power, as it said, like with the the, the punch in the revolution, Hitler, Third Reich, Nazis. They were allies with Stalin and the Soviet Union and the Bolsheviks and the revolutionaries and the Red Russians and the communists because they were both socialists. They were both socialists. They were both communists. They were allies. They were political brothers. And they attacked Poland together. They attacked Finland together. They attacked uh, the, the, the Baltic coast together. They split it up. Because that's the same thing going to happen here. That Germany and France and the other countries like Spain are going to produce revolutionaries that are far right, but are actually more in league with like Russia's politics, right? Because it, it it's not bound by the trade union that the European Union truly is. It's a trade union of mega capitalists, of billionaire bankers and shit, right? Like uh, big industrialist nation uh, powerhouses that operate internationally at a amazing profits at the cost of the every man. The way the socialists took power, the Germans were. I mean, the way the the fascists took power in Germany, the Germans had, were impoverished. They had no money. Like nine out of ten people were fucking broke that the industrialist leaders of Germany were making tons of fucking profits off of them, 
right? The, the leaders of Europe were just raking in and letting them suffer because of ideologies and identities like politics, right? Just things you can't touch, things you can't really reach out and grab. Citizenship, um, history with like, alliances and warfare and things. That one nation would be your ally and another your enemy because of a piece of paper. And, you know, like the way you, your agenda and your vision of the future, like it was a chess game. That pissed people off, like real people. It pissed off entire communities of people, ethnicities of people, tribes of people, states of people, nations of people, cities of people. When the numbers are there, when they start growing, you start getting resistance movements, you start getting political movements, you start getting uh, revolutionary movements. The fascist right in Germany was a revolutionary movement. It was completely revolutionary in spirit. That, that Hitler was just like Stalin, was just like Lenin in terms of reacting to the, the poverty and the pain of their people, the stress of their people, and then being elevated by the sheer numbers of that force. Because when push comes to shove, even though a state may have police, may have military, might have the, the keys to the armory and all the guns and bullets in the world, massive amounts of people who want to do you physical violence will overwhelm you and conquer you if they have to use their bare goddamn fist to do it. And when you're talking about the throngs of people that this society is really displacing... Like, you look at the Yellow Vest riots of uh, France. Then look at the working, the working class riots of Germany during the 1920s, the Wehrmacht Republic. There were protests in Berlin every fucking day. Every week there were protests in Berlin before the rise of Hitler. Hitler was one of many people to come out of that group, speaking either anarchist values, socialist values, fascist values, uh, occult values. There were many different movements, and the reason why Hitler was successful is he was able to gather a shitload of them under one banner. The occultists, the socialists, the fascists, the, he had the veterans, he had all of them kind of uh, hoping to, to achieve a brighter future together. Right, because all of them were being treated like shit by the people in power, the Wehrmacht Republic, right? The Republic leaders of a European Union set in a state of European peace after a European war. Europe doesn't last forever. As old as fucking Europe is, and as historic as Europe is, and as much people might think, oh, these nation-states have existed for thousands of years, and these borders are hundreds of years old, and historically, we are who we are. No, you're not. Everything has changed overnight before. Countries have disappeared. Countries have, have become, you know, uh, have come into existence. People are conquered. People conquer. People are go from the weakest to the strongest. People go from the strongest to the weakest. The empire game of Europe is a constant shuffling of cards, right? Only a fool thinks because we have the things like internet and banking, uh, digital banking and crypto coins that <laughs> the same card game stops. 
It's just, no, that's just what's at stake now. And all the bullshit that's going on in Europe is the same card game. And these absolute powerhouses, absolute economic masters of the game are going to be reshuffled and redealt accordingly because the, the game keeps going forward. And if you look at the yellow vest riots of France that compared to the German ones, we're seeing a repeat in history where the majority of the population is siding with revolutionaries and with independent uh, movements. In Europe, uh, look at Spain with the Catalonia movements. This is all prior to COVID. Remember, COVID tried to stop all this. COVID was their way of creating lockdowns and curfews without admitting defeat. Because if they had admitted defeat, they 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 wouldn't be here right now. They would have already been destroyed in 2020. In 2021, they would have seen a new election of government, a vote of no confidence for Macron, for Angela Merkel. All of that would have been taken out. And all of that will still be taken out because all they've done is prolong their chances while making themselves look even worse in the common person's eye. The common person is losing faith in the European leader rapidly. Rapidly. That as much as the European propagandists want to make it seem like Europe is this consolidated, neoliberal, educated, progressive... um, faggot fuck fest that they want to make everyone be like, yeah, just come over here, everyone's accepted and cool. No, it's not. 35% of, uh, only 35% of German government, uh, I mean, only 35% of the German people believe in the government. Like, actually think the government is on their, um, on the ball, telling them the truth, trying their best. That means 65% of the German people distrust their government. And then, of course, it will range the spectrum of they're lying to us about COVID, which is the gateway into seeing that they're lying to us about everything, including our own history. Right? And like I said about the numbers, if 35% of the go- of people trust the government, that means that you only have 35% to draw your soldiers, your police, your investigators, your lawyers, your business people, your laborers. How can a society operate if only 35% are willing to sacrifice their loyalty or pay you their loyalty to defend this nation because people won't die for you people won't fight for you people won't kill for you unless they actually believe you unless they actually think you're a good leader unless they actually think that you have their best interest in mind and historically The best interest in mind has not been for a global new world order. It has not been for the European Union. It has been for the common person. Whoever that may be, wherever that may be, uh, however that may be, right? Like whatever situation that that person is using to reflect on themselves. So what's good for the Frenchman is not good for the German. And what's good for the German is not right for the Italian. But each of the Italian, the German, the Frenchmen have a right to fight for themselves, have a right to fight for their own freedom, fight for their own destiny. And this fight is not between themselves. The German is not fighting the Italian. The Italian is not fighting the Frenchman. The Italian has to fight the Italian leadership. The Frenchman has to fight the French leadership. The German has to fight the German leadership. Right? Right? The Spanish, the Spaniard has to kick out the Spanish monarchy. 
And it's weird to say that because it's already the year 2000. That these systems have not been already destroyed, have not been already dismantled, and, and legally disenfranchised, legally unempowered, legally constitutionally removed. So that these systems can start achieving real social equity, real social progress, improvement, you know, and personal profit of the soul. Because they have not. That's been robbed of them. And it's a shame that a society that's considered so progressive and first world, that is Europe, is actually progressively... I mean, it, I mean, now Americans aren't to fucking brag. I mean, we can't brag in our system because it's just as fucked up and stupid. We need to reform too, but this is going to be the fact of the European Union. The, Ameri- the United States government is not going to dissolve in the next 10 years. It's not going to collapse in the next 10 years. Regardless of the civil war we're in, the cold civil war, in fact, maybe even a a, a violent uh, kind of gang warfare mentality between liberals and, and conservatives or whatever, uh, America is not going to change. America is this monolithic thing, right? And, I mean, and it has been, by design, it's the Rockefeller Corporation, Right, it's not doesn't operate internally as a country. It operates internally as a corporation, and you really don't see shooting wars inside Fortune 500 companies. Even if leadership changes and politics change around it, it's kind of like set, you know, simply to to kind of ex- perpetuate its own existence. And it's a science to it, you know, social science to it. But Europe is is prone to violent revolutions it's prone to chaos it's prone to war between nations ravaging of landscape and communities uh the persecutions of peoples based on ethnic lines cultural lines slaughters massacres uh violence of all stripes and in variety europe is a fucking hell zone it's uh you know absolutely hell on earth in many cases and has been for the last you know couple thousand years and it's going to be that way again, which is a shame, because World War II should have been the war to end all wars. The only reason this is a shame, the only reason to kind of focus on that in that respect where you're like, man, this is preventable, and I can't fucking w- believe that no one learned their lesson, is because World War II was supposed to be the war to end all wars. And yes, I know World War II, and I've gone on record saying it didn't happen the way it did, and it didn't, because the Third Reich just left and colonized Antarctica and eventually became a spacefaring country and a people. And the majority of the Germans actually survived the war who were considered lost. The nine million casualties were actually nine million uh, immigrants and refugees to Antarctica leaving the European politics behind, specifically because the European politics is bullshit. It's absolutely... Um, just civil war and shit like that. And that's why I was saying that the European landscape should be united and peaceful because the truth is the European people are the ones to suffer. They're, mathematically, the, the European people are always the one to bear the burden of all wars, all sufferings, tragedies, famines, plagues, and... In the year 2000, you would think that we'd have learned our lessons enough to prevent this, but yet here we go again into a cycle where the, it's between a rock and a hard place. With the rock is Russia, the military is unified, Russian morale is at an all-time high, 
Russian identity is at an all-time high. Their leadership has never been stronger and more unified in purpose and identity, and their military has really never been more advanced. Even in the late 80s, we considered fucking Russians to be like space aliens, basically. Like, there was all these nuclear missiles and, like, submarines and shit, and, like, they were all high-tech and menacing. And then the 90s, and we just thought Russians were the dumbest fucking people in the world. Like, they couldn't even figure out how to make light bulbs, and <laughs> they couldn't feed themselves, and they would just, like, sell, like, uh, AK-47s for cases of vodka and blue jeans and shit. And we, we stuck at that. We didn't evolve along with the Russians. The Russians improved, and our opinion of them is still rock fucking bottom. Like, well, we think Russians can't even, like, get their shit together enough to, like, you know, pose a serious threat. And we forget that they are the number two military currently in the world and have been for the last hundred years. That they have the most men, they have the most uh, equipment, the most uh, experienced battle doctrines, um, tactics, stratagems. They have uh, fortifications, missile embankments, atomic power. They have, say, nuclear submarine. They have it all. Hypersonic weapons. And we still provoke them and poke the bear. Uh, Europeans do, we do, with NATO, as if, though, we expect them to do a, you know, foolish, uh, drunken-type, uh, uh, fuck-up war, basically, where they, they they lose in the first move, where they just, like, you know, fall for some kind of clever ruse, and that the the joke of the whole matter is that the European Union thinks that its military is sufficiently tough enough, psychologically tough enough, to defend itself from a Russian attack. As if, though, the European nations... <laughs> have, like, a legitimate, like, military record in the 20th century to make them so brave in the 21st century. And if you look on it, it's all been well documented. Like, they... They would they would be better off if they just started buying mercenaries and PMCs and things and, and stockpiling these, uh... These, you know third worlders as, as their defense force because their national armies, their national armies are I mean they are fractions, fractions of Russia's like it's not even uh, it's not even a comparison it really isn't and even a high tech mobilized force like the most experienced is France with its actions in Africa um, you know, I'm not going to bring up Vietnam and the loss there because they said it's around the world. And if you were defending yourself, it's much different. But this is the same nation that lost against Germany in a fucking week in World War II with the Maginot Line. That's what I'm saying. Like, what confidence does France have in defending itself from fucking an air assault of MiGs and, like, missiles and, like, paratroopers and, like, special forces? And I don't want to say you would see Russian flags in Paris, but all you gotta do is flip that motherfucking flag around, and it's the same red, white, and blue. You wouldn't even tell the difference between the Russian flag and the Paris flag. That's how the reality game is gonna work. It's just like how 
you know, if I was in 1922 and I was like, yeah, there's going to be German flags in fucking Paris. There's going to be like Krauts just walking around Paris. Like Hitler's just going to be like on the Eiffel Tower and shit, eating like a croissant. And people would be like, that's bullshit. That's just dumb. Germans would never be able to invade France. Didn't you see World War One? Didn't you think uh, they're going to do another trench warfare? And I'm like, listen, the motherfuckers aren't the same. They're, they're a lot different. And they were being hurt by their uh, command. They were being hurt by their leadership. Like I said, Hitler went immediately and blamed the fucking Prussian leadership for, for not being... Um, effective or efficient in causing the defeat of War One. It was the leadership, and this is the cover story. Like I said, I'm not delving into the conspiracy stuff in this talk. This is all what if the history of the world was exactly like they told us it was gonna be, right? Like what if using the cards that they've allowed us to see that we uh, that we just you know play psychic and everything. And, and Nostradamus. But, yeah, we know aliens exist. We know that there's an international cabal, Solar Warden, and all that. But even then, the Dark Fleet and everything is not pro-European Union. European Union is part of the cabal. It's part of a New World Order cabal system. They're ruled by mystics, occultists, billionaire families that trace themselves back to, like, nobility and shit from, like, their old Phoenician families, their black nobility. They have no connection to the real world because they've lived their entire lives in secrecy. They live their entire lives in mystery. And it's like saying the Catholic Church could defend itself from the Russian army. It's like saying that, that something that's more of a church now, and that is European politics, like internationalism, globalism, the UN, the G8, Trilateral Commission, the Bilderbergs, all that bullshit, Rothschilds, Bagnamorphs, uh, all the, the billionaire European families, the fucking Dutch, all that, Sweden. It, it's like saying all these nations are not ruled by real politicians. They're not real ruled by real, like, republic senators or anything with the people in mind or with real-world strategy or politics or goals in mind. They are ruled by priest classes. They are ruled by artist types and like philosophers and intellectuals and businessmen. People who study the like laws and legalities of international trade, the merchant class, the banker class, the people who study like the 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 nature of ec- economics and money and things that they want you to think these men can defend and and defend a nation and win a war. They want you to think that someone who is more in tune with, uh, you know, the the uh, political correctness of of the modern neoliberal progressive, you know, urban culture, right, late stage capitalism. And is correct with pronouns and, oh, treating women with respect and uh, promoting equality with, like, you know, Muslims and and uh, homosexual marriage and trans youth and all that. They want you to think those types of people could have the courage, discipline, and strength necessary to win a war. That's what they want you to think. That's what they want you to believe. That these progressives 
like Macron, like the German chancellors, like the leadership in, uh, you know, Italy and Spain, all that, that these people who are more concerned with uh, promoting uh, equal and safe workspaces and, and, you know, equality between men and women. And, and, you know, when they, when they pitch an idea in business, like for example, in Sweden, they ask, well, is this, does this include women? Does this include minorities? Does this include Muslims? Does this include people? They want you to think that mentality of free love and and all that kind of uh, social goodness that Europe has, you know, as its main selling point, right? That's this land of equality. It's this progressive, um, um, you know, progressive uh, future utopia, right? That they want you to think that mentality can win a shootout, a war uh, between, you know, Russia, the Russians, the people of the, the the bear, you know, and their nationalism, their their patriotism, right? And I think that their army is going to be made up of this rainbow coalition of refugees, first generation sub-Saharan Africans who now live in Sweden and shit, uh, women, uh, women officers. Uh, men with ponytails and, you know, pronouns like they, them, and eyeliner and makeup, and, and they think that, that these people, these neoliberal 20th, 21st century youths are going to be motivated and united and tough enough, strong enough, mentally and physically to engage life and death combat, to actually win life and death combat. And I think the big lesson here
think the lesson here is, um, you know, most obvious in the actions of ISIS in the Middle East. That I think that, um, that, that fucking ISIS proved in the Middle East that all it takes is a real warrior spirit, a real traditional warrior spirit, in that the technology is secondary. The attack mentality, the zealotry, the focus, the concentration that can overwhelm forces, and then that hardware and equipment is reclaimed, repurposed, and cannibalized, as well as the... And the ISIS had no no real beginning point. It had no real identity. It had it was completely made up from scratch. It was completely uh, MK Ultra. It was completely um, uh, a psyop from the very beginning of it. If it was a real nation like Russia, all it would take, and what it proves, is if you get a large amount of men, give them AK forty sevens, and rush towns, literally towns full of standing uniformed guardsmen, uh, nationalists who do not have the psychological fortitude, who do not have the experience both in command or in personal, like, you know, real life experience to fight real wars and to engage in real combat. They will rout, they will retreat. Those that stay will be killed in combat. They will have their brains Blasted out of the backs of their fucking skulls. They'll have their lower bodies ripped off with explosions. Blood will blind them. In a real war, the talents of violence and savagery are the only factors that matter. And in European society, the man has been castrated. The natural man and his talents for violence and savagery have been castrated in favor of the weak and the eunuch which they seek as a priest class to elevate into authority this is a this is a trademark mistake of empire of global empire of uh, authority trying to maintain itself by weakening the power structure underneath it so that this nebulous, faceless system can exist without the fear of internal revolution or civil war or strife or, you know, a strong man rising from the ranks and then overtaking the throne. They make generals weak. They make armies weak underfunded, they, they it discourage and demoralize the common man so they don't become soldiers, so they don't try to change the system, and they promote to people in positions of power the weakest, the lousiest, the worst, the most divisive, the least charismatic, the least knowledgeable, and, uh, uh, you know, I'm not specific about the European military's ranks themselves, but I could quickly point out, um, yeah, this is a coke that uh, they are considering trans, non-binary uh, officers and shit in the European military. They're trying to promote women in the European military. They're trying to promote, uh, say, for example, refugees and first-generation 
immigrants into the police force, into the National Guard force, into um, Interpol and things. Like, they're trying to create this bizarre, you know, um, identity-less European, like trans-European, international-European identity, which is, it's not going to work. It It's so demoralizing and ass-backwards like just there was this poster that the Swiss put up and it was the first or no it was not a poster it was a it was a commercial or some kind of like science broadcast they said the first Swiss Swiss person and it was a black man but with blue eyes and it's like they they are trying to throw away everything that is traditionally rationally logically European in favor of something that does not exist in nature, that is completely artificial, that no one identifies with, and thus no one will defend. And they expect that to be their defense. It's false idol worship to the extreme. And the false idol is this progressive rainbow coalition of shit that doesn't exist in reality. The sub-Saharan refugees that have been accepted and forced in in mass were a, they were only shipped there as a form of internal demoralization, funded exclusively through George Soros. That if George Soros was not paying these people to literally be transported over there to European borders. And then they would test and then uh, prove, like, this this confederation policy of open borders in European nations. And then the, the pressure, the political pressure of destabilizing and, and demoralizing the populations of, like, rural England and rural Germany, small towns, Switzerland and stuff, by in flooding just as incredibly unwelcome and, and like, unproductive refugees from Africa and the communities that existed peacefully that existed peacefully for the last couple of hundred years that they would just do that intentionally as like a, a form of a bomb and just to cause chaos like uh, the Cologne uh, New Year's Eve celebration of 2000 I believe it was 15 where f- I think it was almost 500 women uh, reported sexual assault from black refugees, from Middle Eastern refugees, sub-Saharan refugees, that were operating in an organized manner. They were operating as a rape gang. Basically, a gang of men that would go out and force themselves onto women, separating them, getting them, like, you know, like, fuck, like, gang-raping them, basically, molesting them, groping them, and abusing them, because the idea was the rape gang outnumbers the the traditional European men and that if push comes to shove the violence of the numbers of the savage Middle Eastern sub-Saharan beast was going to cause that demoralization and chaos that the Europeans hoped for thus requiring more European police just requiring more European uh, direct control over curfews etc. while hurting the European citizen, while hurting the European woman, while hurting the European uh, male, 
by creating nothing but negativity. This was only possible because you had billionaires like George Soros forcing both the legislature through, promoting open borders, promoting the propaganda of the nationally controlled TV systems, etc., promoting this, the, pol- the politics behind it, the woke politics, as well as literally physically getting these people from point A to point B. If, if the people were not led by these corrupt, evil men, this would never have happened. The natural order would not have allowed it to happen simply because those are people from thousands of miles away. Culturally, you would have to educate if you naturally migrated up, but they were literally put on boats and shipped across the ocean, the Mediterranean, after the fall of Libya and stuff like It's not a natural situation. It will collapse. The European Union will collapse. The justice that is required, karmically, universally required to set things in balance will require the deaths, the imprisonments, the capture of these elites, these leaders, these false aristocrats and petty tyrants uh, exactly the same way as, say, in ancient Greece, you had the era of the tyrants, the illegitimate kings that used the cultural standards of complete, total control from the rightful king on his people to abuse and corrupt and to uh, extort people who were too, uh, who were too, uh, They were too cowardly to, to fight, to, to revolt, to actually rebel. And that heroes would arise, revolutionaries would arise. Uh, and these men would become men of legend, men of renown, like Hercules and his uh, relationship with King, um, with, with the king. And then like yeah, Menelaus and Achilles and things. These kingships, these, these relationships of power are very important in Europe. And that they've been using those traditional relationships between authority figures and the population to abuse them to be their worst enemies. The hard place was created that way. They're stuck between a rock and a hard place. The hard place, the rock being Russia, the hard place being a very pissed off, very pissed off population. A population that is going to have to find the the spine to start, but once it starts, they will find that it's they will outpower and overpower any any authority with it just as easily as the Russians would. Because if nine out of ten people in France agree that France is being led wrong, then that one percent, you know, it it doesn't matter if it's vaccines or not, they cannot stand. Like, Macron will be deposed, will lose election. Macron will lose election. The people who support Macron will lose elections. They will lose favor. The industrialists will be on the chopping block because of the, the treatment of the workers' rights. And then you have um, the reforms inside the military for those military officers that were supporting Macron, supporting how the European Union and NATO were being established. And then... Those that don't, you'll see this internal divide. Don't believe me? Think of Vichy France. Think historically of Vichy France. France split in two during World War II. Politically. 
There was Free France, France that was the uh, resistance, La Resistance, and then you had Vichy France, and they were two politically polarized and opposite interpretations of what was traditionally correct. One standing by the traditional, the traditional power structure of France, and the other one fighting for a French identity, fighting for a French traditional identity, a tradition of the Parisians, of their history of revolution for personal freedom, of humanitarian rights, of identities of their own choosing and not that of a foreign power forcing themselves into this situation. I know the situation is a little different when it comes to terms of Nazi Germany conquering France from the outside, and if this was the case, Russia would be Nazi Germany conquering France from the outside. Uh, with the with the French resistance being um, this, you know, like I said, the pro- propaganda of the free West. What you're going to see is the fascist, totalitarian, tyrant Vichy French being the Macron government, the French resistance siding with, instead of the West, the United States and Britain, with Russia. This is the real difference behind it. The as above, so below. The as east, so west. The as north, so south. West, the United States. Flag color, red, white, and blue. Known for weapons. Then on the east, you have Russia. Flag color, red, white, and blue. Known for weapons. Weapons trade. Arms production. Gun running. So you have now... Vichy France being uh, ran by Macron and then you have your resistance being ran by your yellow vest uh, organizers, your people your, your Parisians of the people, those trying to uh, fight and, and destroy this government right? that they outnumber. Where are they going to be getting weapons, military grade weapons that will allow them to compete? Russia. Using the smuggling and the organized crime elements that have already unified with the far-right elements to produce a army of the people, an underground, a resistance, right? A maquis, but across Europe. We're going to see this action in Germany. We're going to, I was just using France as an example. In France, Spain, Portugal, Italy, Greece, all the countries, Sweden, Denmark, were the far-right who have political ideologies based on... Uh, European uh, led destinies, right? European, Europe for Europeans, basically. As simple as that is. It'll be marked as white supremacy. It'll be marked as an Aryan revolution. If you're Swedish, (laughs) Sweden belongs to you. Not somebody from fucking Morocco that they put on a boat and then sailed across Europe and then put on a, and then forced a thousand of them to move into your small hamlet or whatever the fuck in the mountains because some asshole with a billion dollars decided this is a humanitarian crisis and because of the way NATO and the UN works they say they're acting on your behalf as the most compassionate and modern people in the world and a reality I don't care if you're getting fucking uh, butt fucked and raped you know by these fucking sub-Saharan savages 
when your daughter tries to go out to see a rock concert because she wore a dress uh, on the wrong street corner because some fucking Sharia law Muslim motherfucker is like, oh no, if a woman wears a dress, I just get to rape her. Thank you for putting me in Europe and defending me and giving me a welfare check while this happens. No, you understand that karmically, someone is going to get a bullet through the skull. And it's the modern guillotining. Someone's going to get their throat slit. Someone's going to get their heart ripped out of their chest, Aztec style, and offered to the rain god. Maybe that's just me because of my Aztec blood. Someone's heart's getting ripped out of their chest. It's not going to be mine. And it's like, someone, well, we're going to start ripping out hearts. We're going to start ripping out hearts. Kawatsamandi, the rain god, demands this sacrifice or else the world won't work right. It's like Karma. Right, it's, like, it's this idea of the world, the universe, directing itself to a situation and conclusion. And if you want any more proof of that, there's only one reason. It's, this is not natural. Things return to nature. And they, things have their own systems. And the systems are based on violence. Or they say they appear to us as violence. Because that's the natural order of devouring and and uh you know recycling and we live in this real world and it's like you know um if you're not if you're not learning from history you're doomed to repeat it and they're dooming themselves to repeat it they really really are and it's there's no shortage of words or way around it i don't know dates i don't know specifics but I do know the the technology going to be used. I do know the situation's going to be used. And I do know the nature of the events going to happen. War never changes. Europe is weak as fuck, internally divided, and a house divided cannot stand. So you have a house divided, a house of cards that is going to fall through an internal revolution. You have a unified uh, Eastern power of Russia to basically be the the anvil. And while the hammers from the inside smash into it, providing high technology and even the open, uh, the open mercenaries and weapons trading to allow rebel groups to quickly, quickly outfit themselves uh, with military technology that's equivalent to, say, the cartels in Mexico, right? And so you start getting uh, cartel-level uh, organized criminal... Po- politicized organized criminals not just for money not just for uh, power in the underground uh, but for political ideologies etc and then you start having people's armies you start seeing no-go zones that aren't enforced by you know foreigners they are enforced by the locals you start seeing things like the Basque Republic separatists the IRA uh, happening in say Paris uh, then you start seeing like per- Paris start kicking out the Parisian, you know, uh, government the same way the IRA did, setting up checkpoints, setting up, um, you know, all of that. And I just saw the FG9. The FCC9 is a good idea, the fuck gun control nine, but I think that really there's just, I mean, like there, like yes, the 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 systems of the border patrol and everything, but I mean. Like, you guys need bigger, bigger hardware, bigger uh, guns than just a nine millimeter carbine. Uh, it's basically just a machine pistol at that point. You need 
anti-aircraft guns. You need sniper rifles ranging into the 50 cal range. You need anti-personnel landmines, explosives, uh, chemicals, uh, chemical weaponry. You need body armor. You need armored personnel carriers. You need bunkers. You need uh, private aircraft, helicopters. Um, all of that, which is a modern revolutionary's real necessities, not just a firearm. You're not just popping shots off at another drug dealer, you know, on your block. You are trying to take down a uh, armored police response, you know, to to um, you know your your attacking of a factory, or um, you know your attacking of a dam. And this is not uh, this is not qualified under domestic terrorism where I am. I'm just saying militarily strategy. If you're going to start a civil war, you're going to need a tank. You're going to need a helicopter with a couple of missiles on it. You're going to need missiles. Yeah, preferably you're going to need some kind of bomb and a good way to bring that bomb to target. Either be a suicide uh, uh, bomber or be a drone or a rocket or, you know, a um, FedEx box. But you gotta start making waves, and there's no you. You have a firearm now. You're in, no, you're not invincible at that point. You now just have a firearm in the mix, and if they bring a firearm, then your FTC nine is like maybe equal parity to that. But you will then have to deal with things like squad tactics and numbers, and then uh, retreating and body armor and things. It's, a, it's, it's the European people really are not doing them any favors themselves any favors. They need to get better educated on these things. Uh, they they have to get uh, really, you know, uh, up to speed with stuff. They have to get better trained, better experienced, better better psychologically um, vetted and, and and prepared for the future to come. I think the European uh, Europeans are their own worst enemies in this situation. The longer it takes for them to get out of the mindset that they can fix the existing system. And that the existing system is their system. The longer it takes for them to figure out that it's not. That the EU is not any one particular European nation, nor is it... it just, it just because it calls itself European, it has nothing to do with Europe first, or European rights first, or a European place in the global community. It does not. It is a... Uh, it is something like the Soviet Union. And the Soviet Union not having any respect for any one nation's culture. Even though it was predominantly Russian, it was also antithetically Russian, imprisoning and killing more Russians than any other government in the world, the Soviet Union. Same thing with Communist China. The Once the Chinese figure out that the Communist China government has been China's worst enemy, killing and imprisoning and torturing and, and silencing most of China's cultural output and people, you know, rather than any other foreign nation, then they will come to terms and be able to change and revolt and form a revolution, independence movement. Until then, it's brainwashing at its best. It really is. It's absolute brainwashing at its best. Now, the flack between cultures, the woke left group of the Americans, of the West, Europe, North America, South America, will side with Europe, if there ever was a revolutionary between its people, the European Union. They will side with Russia. I mean, they will side with Europe over Russia because in the woke 
left, the liberal, progressive, neoliberal, uh, democratic world of, of the West, right? The, of the NATO nations. European Union is a sanctuary, a utopia for equal rights and for uh, inclusivity and modernity and progress and you know they they love everyone and that there is this big rainbow coalition and that they will politically support politically defend by denouncing by slandering by censoring by outlawing all the people's revolutionary movements and canceling them as racist canceling them as uh, supremacist as fascist as illiterate, as ignorant, as evil, as, you know, everything you could possibly get because they really, really do want you to think that the leadership, the aristocracy of the European Union is a lighthouse for this Illuminati-type thinking, right? This globalist, New World Order, paradise-type thinking and that the average European is a backwater, uh, regressive, uh, you know, evil-hearted person. I'm, I'm serious. This is what they're going to try to get. That because they don't want to accept Muslims building mosques in downtown Berlin, or they don't want uh, to see their leader marry a dude in a dress... And they don't want to, like, you know, take uh, let their kids have hormone blockers for tra- gender transition proce- procedures offered by the schools without their permission. You know, because they don't want to see that shit. Like you said, U- UK too, but UK is not really part of the European Union. But, um, but I'm saying, like, the, the other countries, like, they don't want these values and pushed on them. They don't want to have to be forced into a system... Because they wanted a little bit better economics, uh, you know, a little bit better profits. It's, um, you know, it's it's absolutely the writing on the wall. That just like in America, they call the right deplorables. They call the right uh, insurrectionists, uh, uh, basically uh, racists, uh, sexist, violent bigots, and and they call the right that because they are. They, they are trained to... These are the only foot soldiers that the leadership of this evil cabal can produce. They can't produce actual physical foot soldiers because all of their members are weak, brittle, feminized, castrated eunuchs. And so they try to wage this war of words. And that's it. Like it it's successful only in terms of peaceful society. Because they're like, oh, we won't let you talk on our internet platforms. We won't let you, we'll cancel your Twitter page. We'll cancel your Instagram. We'll cancel all your little abilities to participate in society. You won't be able to shop with us. We'll cancel your credit. All these they can do, which will force the real men, which will force the real women, the people of the real world, to return to a state of being, a war, of of uh, real war, that traditionally we have left behind, 
and rightfully so, because it's not necessary that we assume such savage uh, uh, existence anymore. But they're forcing us to. They're forcing us to. But when push comes to shove, there's not going to be. It's going to be a push, and not a shove, because they're not going to get a chance to shove back. We have borne the brunt of the labor force. We do all the hard work. The working man does. All the stressful jobs, all the dangerous jobs, all the jobs that need to be done, infrastructure jobs, power system jobs, the people who keep the society and this world actually moving day to day are the ones being oppressed psychologically. And as soon as that working class decides to not only become radicalized in terms of its own separate identities, like its far-right movements, far-left movements, but decide that regardless, the working man needs to reclaim the world. That's when you start seeing this unification with Russia. This long con that I think the Soviet Union always had. The Soviet Union has, remember, always been a working class, working man's revolution, right? Soviet Union, Communist Revolution, Working Man's Revolution, right? Even though they went capitalist during perestroika, even though they've reformed in our capitalist Russia, Russia still culturally has a great respect for the working man. And that if you actually broke down every single revolutionary or, or separatist or independence movement in the West, they have one key unifying basic common denominator working class political movements grassroots political movements everyone who is a revolutionary is a member of the working class unless they are fortunate enough to have money but even then they are somehow because the way the system is that's like, fuck it. Like, if you're a member of the 1% and you happen to be a revolutionary, well, then goddamn, you found a fucking unicorn. Because, exactly, the 99% of the globe is a member of the working class. By definition, if you fall within 99% of the, the, the population of the earth, you are a member of the working class. And if you have a political sentiment, you as a working class political sentiment, we are literally being controlled by 1% of the world. And if the long con is correct, the Russian sentiment, the Russian military, the weapons trading, especially with the AK-47, the AK-74, the MiG, uh, the, the, the tank, the, the drone, you know, the bomb, just the, the landmine alone, right? Like the Russian-made landmines. If they were shipped to these revolutionary movements, then the police would have no power the, the armies would have very little power if actually faced with as many revolutionary groups as there would be seemingly overnight. Not talking about one group per country. We're not talking about one uh, hot zone per country. We're talking about, imagine if the IRA was given MiGs. Imagine if the IRA was given a nuclear submarine. Imagine if the IRA was given, uh, you know, battle tanks, uh, uh, anti-aircraft missiles, 
that we're not talking anymore about people who are going hungry, you know, and 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 are fighting with um, pistols and and randomly assorted bolt action rifles. You know, we're talking about people who are fighting with maybe not the best of military equipment, maybe not the latest of military equipment, but military equipment enough for them to operate aggressively, offensively. Night vision goggles, special forces training. Um, you know, the air power alone is is one of those things that you can say it as many times as you want unless you truly know what you're talking about. The ability to drop bombs onto a city. The ability to shoot down enemy aircraft. The Taliban just survived for 20 plus years under American attack. They didn't have one aircraft. And not saying that the Afghani uh, Taliban nations, their aircraft would have survived any engagements with the United States, but just think about that. Just think about the, the statement that nations without aircraft can survive attacks from nations with the strongest air power in the world. Imagine if there was uh, competition. If, imagine how uh, much of a deterrent an air force truly is. And then you got to think of long terms. Russia can sponsor politically, academically, economically, the rise of nations in terms of their uh, infrastructure, bureaucracy, providing uh, um, technologies such as tractors, uh, power generators, even asphalt for roads. And they can do this circumventing the national blockades from other countries, given their strength. Uh, the fact that they could, for example, like I say with the gas, dictate who um, gets heat and everything, but also providing for revolutionary groups more resources than, than the other groups that they would say, uh, you know, be antagonist with the European Union control system. So no longer would say the billionaire aristocratic class have it so much better because those the same amount of money, the same amount of power, the same amount of technology is being given, gifted to revolutionaries in Europe as political as political activism, as political demonstration of solidarity. So, exactly, the European Union government has almost no cards to play, has almost no strengths against the Russian government. They are powerless against the Russian government, and they're going to be powerless against their own people. The only power they have is because they've tried to castrate the common European man. And all you got to do is give the common European man his dick back in the form of an AK-47, and then there would be... Um, no European Union literally within one year within a few months that system would be absolutely demolished by force not politically but by force including the seizure of all the government buildings in Paris the seizure of all the government buildings in Berlin seizure of all the government buildings in all major points in urban centers because there are so many revolutionaries there are so many members of the far right there are so many members of the modern fascist nations Man, the fascist people's movements, fascist, I mean that in air quotes, people's movements of pro-Europeans for European progress and European identity, whatever they may be, right? 
that the they said the numbers are at least nine to one when it comes to those that truly believe in the European Union versus those that believe in one of these specialized uh, doctrines. And if the only thing keeping them from mobilizing is the fact that those specific revolutionary doctrines, either they be independent state movements, socialist movements, fascist movements, racial supremacist movements, ethnic movements, religious movements, whatever. The only thing that keeps them from dominating is because they're all different from each other. They're all divided, and they don't see eye to eye, and they think that they are the enemies of each other. When Russians start providing intelligence, military intelligence, start providing communication networks, etc., military weaponry, they'll do so, hopefully, with the provision that they are at least allied, you know, at least brought to some kind of consensus, some communication consensus. And really, you will see, even against great odds, that people of, you know, difference and people of disparity can overnight train themselves, can can, can unify themselves, and it won't be a... Um, it won't be an anarchy, it won't be a chaos, it'll be a unified democratic movement, ironically, in the free United European Empire, or the European Empire, uh, European Union, the EU, that it'll be a real democratic, real grassroots, real populist revolution, like those experienced in the 1920s. And it's just history repeating itself. The rock in the hard place that the European Union has found themselves in because they have disenfranchised and they have um, radicalized the working man, the workforce, the common person. They have radicalized the, what it means to be European in favor of a artificial, completely manufactured, castrated sense of modern identity that is more focused on political correctness and inclusion than on uh, personal freedom and and self-destiny, self-choice of destiny. And it's, it's in violation of all their um, momentum and movements as an intellectual community, as a cosmopolitan community, as a, as a community of... Um, first world people and it has become a parody a perversion of this woke liberal progressive uh, state where like you can't sum it up better than this the inclusion of the refugees something no one wants something that's entirely a bad idea both in practice and execution and planning um, and it's only for the political ideologies and the moral, uh, the moral, um, uh, you know, positioning of European leaders at the sacrifice, at the cost of the safety and well-being and psychological and physical health of the common person, because the common person is not considered, it's, they are a non-entity in European society. The common man does not exist in the European Union. They have no rights. They have no say. Society is run completely from the top down like a machine, like a factory, like a corporation, just like it is in America. 
just like it is in America. And for everything I said about the European Union, I really secretly also mean about America. That the states of America, that the 50 states of America, with the identities that they have, with the cultures that they have, with the destinies that they can achieve as a community and as a society are being controlled and destroyed. The average American man is being castrated. The average American man is being, as having their teeth literally pulled from their heads because of a need to virtue signal and to conform to the opinions and values of a 1% that does not identify with us and does not identify us as their equals in any way, nor do they respect us as human beings alive or even dead. They have no respect for our history. They have no respect for our ancestors. They have no respect for our children. They have no respect for us. They have no respect for the future. They only care about their own authority and their own power in the moment. They do not care about anything else besides the fact that they have control. They don't care if they are good people or bad people. They don't care what you think about them or how you feel. They don't care if you survive in the future wealthy or are homeless uh, diseased, they, they virtue signal with the idea of COVID, but at the same time, this is just a heavy-handed excuse for them to try to exert their domination onto your mental landscape, as well as your physical face and body, as well as the economy. It was clear from day one, this was just to hurt you. This was just to hurt the common person. This was just to destroy the economy, to close down independent small-time businesses, mom-and-pop shops, and this was to absolutely there was it, gut the American economy. One-fourth of the businesses are closed down. I think two-thirds will never like really operate in capacity again the way they used to. They've gone online and things like that. Um, society was completely radicalized and changed, not for any one reason besides the fact that 1% hates, absolutely hates, the fact that the power the real power belongs to the majority of people, 99% of people, who are not part of this empire game, this, this priestly order of mythics, of mystics and, and ancient mystery-worshipping cabal members. And they treat us only as slaves, only as collateral, and our, the very idea of our freedom, the very idea of our own independence, is the opposite of their goals. Because we want to live our lives not part of this system, that makes us their enemy. And because they can't physically destroy us, they'll try to imprison us in poverty. The, the worst crime in the history of the world is poverty because it ruins all future opportunities and causes all the stresses that have possibly befall you to happen to you. There's a system as there's no reason why, uh, there's no reason why in 2022 people have to still suffer from poverty, not saying they make a universal basic income or, or anything about the entire economy, but the way they want you to think about it is that it's your personal fault that you are poor, that you are a member of the working class, that you are a member of the common man, and that what you think, your experiences are not valid, unlike these magical unicorn people 
these snowflakes of the woke progressive left whose identities are sacred because they are their own and that their agendas uh, have to be respected because they are a part of this modern, progressive, democratic, neoliberal, utopia fantasy for how societies in big cities operate. And it's not accurate, nor true, or uh, indicative of how a society's strength is monitored or the future. And it's specifically to make the common person weaker because of the mental baggage, the emotional stress, and the cognitive dissonance when the authority figures who are getting rewarded are being rewarded only for intangible qualities of personal like uh, allegiance and loyalty in politics. Like when a 24-year-old female with no job experience is given a management position or a supervisor position in a high-stress environment simply because she's a person of color, she's young, and has an alternative sexual preference because that strikes this diversity higher qualification value uh, uh, priority system that big companies need because it virtue signals that's direct pro- uh, politicization and propaganda of society saying that one person is qualified to lead based on things that are beyond control it's a person of color your sexual orientation and your gender qualify you and for a real world job over other other factors like uh, experience or competence or charisma or you know intelligence things like that right that's how you start setting up totalitarianism and that's how that you understand that your society is no longer controlled democratically it's no longer controlled by the will of the people like yourself like the real world offers, right? The salt of the earth. It's being artificially handed to you, created by someone else, and pumped down every line of society to try to get you to think that you are inferior, that you are worse, that you are not worthy, that you are less than. These other people who are supported by the power structures, by the powers to be. For every transgendered CEO, uh, gay news person, uh, celebrity fucking queer, uh, furry fucking unicorn faggot, rainbow coalition, uh, fucking superhero, whatever, that is unfair to the common, decent, traditionally, uh, you know, working man um, just identified by masculinity and, and humbleness and privacy and you know valuing personal choice and responsibility and freedom uh, it's not a highly politicized not glamorous it's not sexy but it is 9 out of 10 people and that's what they don't want you to think they want you to think that unless you're a uh, biracial queer other gendered fucking lesbian trans person you don't matter in society and that's completely fucking bullshit and like america is preparing for a revolution too 
Because, like I said, over the course of this world, you have never had a society ruled by only 1% of people that when it came down to a fight was able to win because they were guarded by an army of fucking queer, femboy, um, trans lesbians of color. That, that doesn't make an army. That's never been an army. That doesn't make a military uh, uh, efficiency. It doesn't. That, it's going to prove worthless. And those people who do decide to fight us as the working man revolution will have bullets put through the backs of their heads. They'll be crucified on street poles and hung from bridges uh, as demonstrations of our might. And it's like the politicians will be burned alive. Tires will be put on their necks filled with gasoline and lit a flame. Because the real world cleanses itself through the blood of traitors and tyrants. And that's the thing, like, even if it's not savage or barbaric like that, it's just, we, we're gonna, we're just gonna hang you. And, and, and not, like, guillotine you, you know, we're just gonna make it an efficient, simple execution. But it's gonna be done by the will of the people, because no one in the, in the king's court that you've made purposely fewer and fewer people are chosen for their strength. And once the dogs of war turn, once the police turn, because they're working class people too, they're making a paycheck too. Once they turn and offer their equipment, offer their training, offer their support to the revolutionaries, that's how real revolutions start. Once the military stops identifying with the tyrant and starts identifying with the people, then the people have a military. It's just that simple. The National Guard of Texas... People don't know this, but Texas has its own National Guard. Texas State Guard has been told by Governor Abbott, reminded actually, because it never changed, reminded actually, that their commander-in-chief is not Joe Biden. The commander-in-chief for the Texas State National Guard is the governor of Texas. Because we have an independent power structure, like most 50 states do, that the state's make up the United States. The United States did not create the states. And the power structure, fortunately, is still understood, still clearly understood through Texas's own weird fascination with its own laws and constitution. And we still have that benefit. Hopefully bloodshed's not necessary. Hopefully it can all be settled in court. Hopefully it's all just a matter of lawyers. And the new revolution will be armies of lawyers. Hopefully. Hopefully. Other than that, we are not going to need or rely on Russia uh, delivering military technology. But, here's the thing. We could buy Russian military technology. We could buy blueprints. We could buy uh, schematics, designs for their computers, for their hardware. There is much more freedom when it comes to production in Texas, in America, than people like to imagine. And we could easily set up even even uh, home-built factories, basically, to to develop missiles, uh, explosives, uh, what have you. And so that's kind of gets into this line where I better watch what I say because it could be put on some fucking list or something that I already am on anyway. Um, but that's the thing that's just, you know, theorized, understood, is that Americans, and when it comes to revolution, are not hampered by 
um, logistics the way other countries are. Like, we're going to have to rely on 100% of our weapons coming from overseas. No, it's not the case at all. That a revolution in America would actually be far more viable than people ever want to imagine because they have the mythology of the Civil War where the Civil War was fought and the Confederacy got its ass kicked and so the Confederacy could never rise again. Not the case. Absolutely not the case. If a nation like Texas were to go independent and and fight the, the United States, it could basically survive on its own even in a state of open war against the United States. Uh, and the, the the confidence and the loyalty of the United States is an all-time low. And so politically, this is the best time to separate because it could do so legally and culturally, and there would be a big schism inside the United States ideologically as to whether or not violence is justified in keeping democracy or democratically... Um, voted for policies illegal. So if, say, Texas democratically voted to be independent, what would be the debate if Biden sent the United States Army to attack and kill Americans in Texas because of this revolution? Would America, like, the, the blue states, of course, would cry for blood, but would they send anyone? Who would they send? Prisoners? Conscripts? Would they start the draft again? What, are a bunch of, like, um, liberal college students from NYU gonna grab an M16 and come to Texas and get into, like, a shootout in the streets of Houston? Are are we gonna see United States soldiers uh, fighting in the streets of Houston or San Antonio in the suburbs? As, you know, like, um, we, we have a fucking American Revolution 2.0, American Civil War 2.0. And then what would that produce in other states? Because we know Michigan, Nevada, Florida, they're all fucking getting sick of the United States bullshit, too, when it comes to a federal government. And I think if you started one shot, it's shot heard around the world. Who knows? We'd, we'd be able to ally and form our own underground networks and things like that. It would be... Um, the fucking Civil War 2.0. But it, but unlike the first time, the Union would not be able to rely on an army of Catholics. The Irish. Exactly. It doesn't have an immigration front. And it would, if it tried to do the same thing, it would have to rely on refugees, mass migra- migrants of Mexicans, and like refugees from Africa and the Middle East, and they would have to give them weapons and then ha- expect them to fight in like a literal f- like fucking firefight, like a battle against American patriots with home field advantage. Like that's a very tall order. I don't think that could happen again. Like. That's literally how the North won or was able to survive during the, the Civil War was that it had the largest Irish migration in history. Millions of Irish people came to America. They were Catholics and they were honor bound to fight, you know, and in many ways against the anti-Catholic South. They were paid mostly as mercenaries because they were so impoverished and they were... Uh, traditionally trained in European warfare. That's like a one in a million thing that these Irish mercenaries would just show up 
and and then invade as part of the army of the union um and they would speak english they would, they'd have a they'd have perfect english skills so they could be you know ordered and trained by the americans and safely integrated if they had been italians they would not have fought for this the union and they would not have been understood like linguistically or culturally it would have been a foreign invasion um the idea of it really wasn't a foreign invasion. The Union was fighting with foreign troops and then with freed slaves and shit like that. Like, we don't have slaves. Who are you going to free? He's like, they, like, do you think the Union is going to get a bunch of wetbacks from fucking Home Depot and give them guns and, like, tell them to go fucking take back Texas? Like, they, like who does the Union have to fight for? The Texans make up most of their army. That's the thing people don't think about. It. Texans make up most of the United States military as it stands. So that's always something to factor in too, is that Texans have most a lot of veterans. Most of the war on terror was fought by Texans. As I like culturally, our, our birthright should be way more than it is. That the United States government is consistently centered around the East Coast, specifically the Northeast Coast. Like New York, Washington, D.C., Connecticut, shit like that. Fuck those places, honestly. Like, it, they think that because they have a shitload of people, like in a relatively very small geographic area, and there's a lot of like culture and travel and overset, like that they're superior because we're in the South and we're like the Southwest, so it's like the middle of fucking nowhere. And we have 25 million people in a state the size of Alaska. So, um,. I, you know, I think as everything comes to an end, the United States will collapse once Texas decides to go its, become its own independent nation and its own independent country. Uh, because, really, we are being colonized by the federal government. We are being colonized by the United States government. And just like everyone else, we have a right for independence. We have a right, like India did, to leave the British Empire. We have a destiny and a identity that is not tied to people thousands of miles away with no respect for us and no um, respect for our beliefs and our values and our history and, and no, no similarity between what they view as destiny for a people and what they're forcing onto us. So yeah, it's been a great conversation and everything. I think we're getting into the uh, last 30 minutes of it, though, because my voice is going out and everything, and, and I kind of said my piece when it comes to the European Union collapse and how I, um, and I've seen a lot of that play out both in the past and now into the present and soon to be in the future. Things don't happen overnight, um, but things do happen overnight. No, but this, this won't happen overnight. This will take the course of the 20s, It'll go into, by the end of the 20s, it will have happened. It will have happened. It'll be a staging area, though, of several years, including maybe like one or two years in the middle of the 2020s, late 2020s, like 2016, or 2026 to like 2028 of like really hardcore fucking city fighting and like protests and no-go zones and everything I said about the Russians giving separatist weaponry and then them using it to fight uh, an ever uh, more foreign, uh, you know, out of like mercenary force of European police and authoritarians 
That's absolutely going to occur as NATO begins to seize and collapse. That will lead to the rise of the right. That will lead to the rise of the fascist, these different revolutionary groups, which are not different than Russia. They are exactly allied to Russia as the Third Reich, which rose to power in Germany during the late 1920s and into the 1930s was the sole dominant political force of Europe. Right? Beyond Free France, beyond Churchill-led England, beyond fascist Germany, Hitler, right? Fucking Hitler. 1930s, ruled. No one could touch him. Most popular guy in Europe. Everyone loved him on cover of Time Magazine 1936, Man of the Year. Look that shit up. Time Magazine 1936 cover, Man of the Year. Adolf fucking Hitler. Because everyone loved Hitler in the 1930s. Americans too. Ford... Henry Ford loved Hitler. Uh, the guy who flew over the Atlantic loved Hitler. Uh, Hitler was a popular icon because of the revolutionary spirit and the anti-globalist systems that were popular in the 1930s, right? Now, America never declared war on Nazi Germany. Nazi Germany declared war on America. That's how we got involved in the European conflict. We were going to stay the fuck out of it. We were. People, imagine how weird history would have been if we just attacked Japan and left Germany the fuck alone. Because we didn't have any dog in the fight, and we knew it. Everyone's thinking Saving Private Ryan where Americans are fighting Nazis. We didn't fucking care. We didn't. We were only there politically because of alliances and shit, and they declared war on us, and were, like, sinking our ships. And even then, like I said, I believe that we were there to get UFOs and fucking technology and scientists and more just, like, pick up the pieces when, when we already knew because we had helped them migrate to Antarctica. We were one of the people helping them get out of Antarctica. The, uh, during the Rockefeller time, much different time. Um, the fact is, though, that I want to reiterate is that because the Nazi party, the Third Reich, didn't exist as a real political party. It was just a revolutionary group. It was just a bunch of people at a bar talking about politics. But within 10 years, it became the fucking de facto national government of the entire nation of Germany, which had 9 million people in the army, which had uh, almost 100 million people as its citizens. It became the de facto sole political power because it rose from nothing, from obscurity, and spread like a wildfire because it spoke languages of the people. It spoke to the people. It Its strengths were not to cater to a ruling class, but to cater to the common man. And because of this ideology, the spirit of the working class revolution, of the common man's revolution against the powers that hate him and the powers that enslave him and abuse him and and and, and you know um, exploit his labor they had a spiritual brotherhood with the Soviet Union the Soviet Union did the same fucking thing in its own place now you can see that the 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 Ingredients are there for a repeat of history where a European power, a political power, say in France, 
say a far right political movement in France starts from nothing. It's just some guys meeting at a bar. You know, the, oh, the bar got shut down because of COVID restrictions. And they're just there drinking, talking about politics. Pretty soon it's hundreds of people, workers, all pissed off because of the COVID thing, the COVID vax, the fucking uh, COVID passes, their businesses are ruined, they're poor, they're impoverished, they have nothing but free time. They're, they're politically agitated peoples. They start growing, they start doing protests, movements, they get martyrs, people are killed by the police during these COVID riots, these vax riots. People, um, you know, are, are, are pushed into ever more radicalization as uh, traditional power structures are attacked by these globalists. You know, like, um, like, no more do they want you to do specifically French things because they think that's racist or homophobic or sexist. And that pisses off even more people. You know, like, not only people who have the vax are now on the side of the anti-vax crowd, say, just hypothetically, in France. And it starts with the vax movement. People who have their vaccinations are now fighting, giving money to, providing shelter to, uh, forming la resistance. You know, men, women, children, old people, old women are helping out young freedom fighters by giving them beds at night to sleep in, you know, as they do their protests and safe houses and things. You're starting to see a real mobilization of a, of a power. They take over leadership. They take over the vote. Right, they take over, and then you have French Hitler, Frenchler, French Hitler. Right, he's controlling France with an iron fist. He's got a vision for France in the future. He's French Hitler, right? And he's allied to Putin, to Russia, just like how Hitler in Germany was allied to Stalin in the Soviet Union, and together. They decide to radicalize and change a lot of shit, and that leads to a lot of fun, crazy fucking shit for the next, I don't know, 20 years. Through your 30s into your 40s. And then, of course, the century of chaos that happened after World War II. Because we're still fucking talking about Hitler. So you see how this could change history, and what you're watching, and this very lucky... Uh, vantage point of being in 2022 is the same as if you were in 1922, right? Imagine if you were in 1922 and you knew the future. You could see the future, right? You're a fucking psychic, right? You you have uh, Nostradamus powers, Edgar Casey powers, and you look into the future and you see everything that is about to happen. And I know I don't believe in this, the, 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 I mean, the standard version of events, right? You see everything that's going to happen. You know, don't you don't you think I'm trying to tell someone, writing it down? And that's what I'm doing now. That's the the feelings I'm having now, the feelings of why I think this is important, and why I think you guys should share this message. Those lucky few who have seen it, and that's why I'm putting it up online. Uh, you know, hopefully I'll put some clips and everything to try to entice people to subscribe so they can hear it. But I hopefully it's it's inevitable. It's inevitable. The factors that are playing in now, just as like back then, and you were like. You know that guy who runs that bakery who sells baguettes? Yeah, he'll be shooting Nazi officers with a rifle out of a window in a Parisian apartment at 3 a.m. Um, in about 15 years. And you're like, what? And you're like, yeah. Yeah, it's it's going to get that weird and that bad. And it's going to get like that right where it got like that 
just a hundred years ago at Paris. <laughs> you know, the odd thing is, the more things change, the more they stay the same, right? Uh, Germany, Berlin, uh, Russia, um, all that. It's gonna you're gonna see the shit go down, and you're gonna see it happen exactly where it did. The Ukraine. Um, the heaviest fighting in World War II was the Eastern Front, and it was where the Ukraine was, and in the Balkans, and Romania, and Hungary, and shit like that, Czechoslovakia, and like, um, uh, uh, Austria, like around then, that's where the Blitzkrieg happened, that's where like the real Nazi shit went down, uh, Greece, Italy, um, that's where the foreign invasions would happen, is on the, the, the coast, the Mediterranean coast, Malta, things like that, Morocco, um, North coast of Africa, Egypt, the Middle East, um, even the far northern places, the 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 Balkans, the uh, the Baltic, the area, the the Baltic battles, the far north. You know, what I'm saying is, you're going to see a pan-European world war, World War Three, breaking up or starting again because of the same factors that caused War Two. And we like we all know, I don't believe in War One. I believe it was the alien invasion. Uh, from the subterranean world, uh, I believe that World War Three was really the evacuation of the Germans. Uh, War Two was actually the evacuation of the Germans into Antarctica, into South America, away from the global um, the war that was going to break out, but which did break out, but it didn't break out the way people think. Uh, but just using the actual "this is what happened in history" version of events, you're seeing exactly what happened play out again. And you're going to see the rise of the right, the fall of the European Union, the League of Nations, which has no value in its real people, and only values in these political ideologies, which have no realistic anchor, or no realistic tradition, or uh, evidence for them to exist. Just like social Darwinism didn't. Just like the Industrial Revolution had no reason to exist. It wasn't natural. Um... Like the idea of these tycoons and billionaires and like, you know, magnates and banks and things like that. Those are unnatural stressors to a society. And as society increases in population and poverty, real violence will occur. It's a world of blood. It's a world of flesh and bone. It's a world of life and death. And no matter how powerful a person is, they are mortal. And a dead man isn't the boss of fucking anything. And you have to realize that, that no billionaire can escape a, a knife from an assassin, a bullet, hell, even just a brick, right to the fucking dome, right, right into the skull. And that a life of the working man and the life of a billionaire are as cheap in this world. The billionaires think that their money is going to provide for them. They're going to be able to buy and, and create a society that will defend them, and it's going to be the thing that they're buried in. They're going to be buried in the avalanches of their own wealth because that's going to be the thing they can't they can't hide from. These classic working man revolutions, the French Revolution, where the peasants rose up and they cut the king's head off. They cut his mistress's head off. They cut their fucking little dog's head off. They just killed people because they were rich. The French Revolution really did this. They were killing 17,000 people per day during the Great Terror. 
just anyone who had fucking more than they did because you can't hide from it who you really were anyone who took the side of power when there was great suffering of the masses is the enemy of the masses and when the masses begin to use their force that no fence can keep them no bodyguard can protect you. No armored car. They will literally lift your car up uh, on the weight of their f- arms, like the like ants, and just carry your armored car to, and just like flip it on its back and then light you on fire. You understand this? Like, Julius Caesar was stabbed to death. It's the same fucking thing. Where, like, no matter what intangible amount of power and authority you think you possess. Although, in his case, it was much different. That the actual physical violence of the world is the grand equalizer. And if the tree of liberty has to be refertilized with the blood of tyrants... Then in the modern world, there is no one more fitting for the label of tyrants, for the definition of tyrant, than a globalist billionaire, a tech industrialist, a technocrat, a banker, say as those employed in the IMF, who currently run the European Union, through their stock market, through their business contracts, through their international relations with various foreign powers, with their mercantilism, with their um, national security and their police investigation, their army of lawyers, and the EU, and the UN, and NATO, and these alliances. Tyranny. Tyranny. Every little bit of it, every single thing of it is tyranny. Because it's out of the control of the common man, and it's not democratically elected, it's not democratically saying it's not representative of the common man it is absolutely from the tyrant's power uh, their position of power to protect their own throne the castle walls are for the king and then when time comes you will be expected to fight and die for the king that has hated you his entire life and taken everything from you and expects you to give everything you have to the very last drop of your blood to protect the king It's, it's the year 2000. It's time we finally wisen up and pass this test. And the test that has been offered to us by... The, now I'm going to go a little bit into my own thing. The Astro High Command, the Alliance, this, these extended masters, is to gain the courage as the 99% and to finally eliminate the 1% however violently we need to. However, however much evil we must use in the pursuit of good to finally eliminate and exterminate this parasite to finally free ourselves from abuse to finally free ourselves from tyranny from domination of terrible evil people and the monsters that pretend to be people only after the world cuts all their king's heads off 
Will every man then truly be a king? Only then will God's will truly be done. Only then will God's will be on earth as it is in heaven. And thank you all very much for joining me today on this live. Thank you all very much. You guys are select few. You guys are the elite. Um, I'll try to bring in uh, greater, you know, ahead of time advertising. I thought I was going to go on live around this time, 3 o'clock p.m. So when I introduced the live at noon, it was more because of a convenience that my guest had canceled that was scheduled for Wednesday. But this has been an awesome conversation, an awesome little uh, deep dive and exploration of a subject, which I think is really cool and really interesting, and I'm glad you guys uh, joined me for it. Uh, Beyond Top Secret Texan, you've been listening to the Beyond Top Secret Texan podcast. Namaste and Shalom. Iron sharpens iron. A friend sharpens a friend. Thank you all very, very much. Uh, subscribe, share, leave a like. Go back in the libraries and have videos I've already made, 500 plus videos on YouTube. Watch them. Like, subscribe, share with your friends. That helps me out immensely. Uh, basically, just try to promote this. The one thing that I'm constantly having trouble with in this uh, this this internet game is shadow banning. Uh, is uh, the the suppression of my media of my content with the algorithm. Uh, YouTube shadow banned me, TikTok shadow banned me, Instagram shadow banned me. So if you are watching now, if you are hearing this, however you're hearing this through membership, through my podcast, through um, Patreon support, and you are you you are watching this through an exclusive link, you know I thank you. However you're seeing this, uh, or the free first showing of it. If not, you're part of the membership, and I deeply deeply thank you for your support. Sincerely thank you for your support. But please share this with as many people as you can. Share it on Reddit. Share it on 4chan. Share it on 2chan. Share it on 8kun. Share it it on 420chan. Share it, share it, share it, share it. I try my best to try to promote it and everything. Please share, 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 share. Get this to as many people as possible that you would think would appreciate it. Forums, uh, websites, websites. like I said, Reddit, message boards, wherever you can. People on the bus, people on the street, people you know personally, family, friends. Share, share, share. Because then everyone can start getting into involved with it. Everyone can start getting on the same page. Everyone can start learning and everything. And that's really all I have to say for that. Like I said, I've been talking for about two and a half hours now. My voice is shot. Um, you know, uh, I can answer some questions right now. But that'll be for the live part of it, for, the, for just you guys in the live chat right now. Uh, I'm going to end the recording for my podcast. This is what's going to go up into the episode. But thank you all very much. Namaste and shalom. Iron sharpens iron. A friend sharpens a friend. God bless you guys. You're the greatest audience out there in dreamland. I've been the Beyond Top Secret Texan. Listen to the Beyond Top Secret Texan podcast. Peace out.